Well, good morning, Mercy Culture. How many of you going to be running in the justice run? What, the three claps? I said, good morning. Everybody was shouting, and I said, run. We heard one cl- just clap crickets. Even if you're not running, I encourage you to come and join us at Justice Run. It's going to be an incredible day. There's a music festival. It's a lot of fun, and you're, you're going to want to watch the people running past exhausted while you sip your coffee or whatever. <laughs> just point and laugh. No, I'm just kidding. It's going to be an awesome day. Well, I want to welcome you this morning to Mercy Culture Church. My name is Les. I'm the lead pastor here of Mercy Culture Waco. And a vision of Mercy Culture Church is to take people from corporate encounters with God to daily personal encounters with God. And what that means is that at our church, it was never our goal to have good church services. But how good was that worship service? Come on. It was never our goal to simply have good church services and then to move on, but we know that the key to success in your walk with the Lord is encountering God every single day. Because I know this, I know that if you can hear the voice of the Lord and then step out in obedience to what he tells you to do, you cannot fail. Because how many knows that God is smarter than me and God is smarter than you. And when we can hear his voice and do what he says, there's no failing. And so we want to help you to encounter the Lord. That is the purpose, the reason that we exist as a church family. And the way that we do that is through a process that we call MC Connect. Because at Mercy Culture, we know that there is only one way to God, and that is through Jesus. But in Jesus, there are many ways to connect with God. And we've been showing these videos of different people and how they connect with the Lord. And the one we saw this morning is connecting with God through nature or through through, uh, creation, God's creation. And we saw those men that connect with the Lord through being outdoors. And some of you connect with God through movement. Some of you like to run or walk or move. And some connect with God in solitude or in worship. There are many ways to connect with the Lord. And we want to help you to discover how you best connect with God and to find new ways for you to connect with the Lord. And so with MC Connect, if you text the word connect to 59090, you'll get a link that comes back to you. And on that link, uh, you can watch some videos, learn more about the culture of Mercy Culture Church, learn about our vision, our values. And a little bit about our history, but most importantly, learn how you best connect with the Lord. I'm telling you, it will change your life. How many of you have been through MC Connect? Was it life-changing? It's an incredible experience. We want to encourage you to do that. Today's a big day. Today is a big day. We've got block party. So immediately following service, we're going to have food. Food, that sounds good. I think we have, what are we having, tacos? Of course, it's Texas. We're going to have tacos. We're going to have bounce houses for the kids. Maybe I'll jump in there. Who knows? We're going to have a lot of fun today. And we're also having baptisms. This is the first baptisms at Mercy Culture Waco. Come on. So cool. If you would like to be baptized and you haven't signed up, it is not too late. You can join us in the MC Connect tent, which is the tent right there, right at the end of this little courtyard that we have. Just walk in there. We do a brief class about baptism. It's very brief. And then we have everything that you need. So there are no excuses. Why didn't bring a towel? We have towels. I didn't bring any shorts. You're in luck. We have shorts. I didn't bring undergarments. Guess what? We've got new, fresh, clean undergarments just for you. We've got everything you need right in there. 
changing rooms, the whole nine yards. So you don't want to miss this opportunity to be baptized today. If you'd like to get my notes, just text the word notes to 59090 and everything that's in front of me will be in front of you. Pastor Jordan is laughing because I said undergarments like I'm 87 years old. So today we start a new series, Expanding Territory Through Heaven's Culture. Let's begin in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. This is Jesus speaking. In verse 25, he says, The rain fell and the torrents raged. The winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the torrents raged, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its collapse. I've come to ask you this morning, what's your foundation? The title of today's message is Expanding Territory Through Heaven's Culture. What's your foundation? Let's pray. Father, we welcome you. We thank you that you are in this room this morning. And Lord, we just declare there is no spirit but the Holy Spirit. Welcome. Come on, church, partner with me in that. Say, there is no spirit but the Holy Spirit. Welcome in this room this morning. And Father, we give you the room. We don't make room for you, Lord. We give you the room. Have your way in today's service. Father, I thank you that nobody came to hear me, but we all came to hear you. So I lay down performance, comparison, and the need to impress. And Father, I just pray that you would give me your words and your heart for your people. In Jesus' name, somebody said, amen. 2022 is the year of expanding territory. That is the prophetic word over this house for 2022. And if it is the word for this house and you are under the covering of this house, and that means it's the word for your house as well. It is the first Chronicles 410 year. Oh, that you would bless us indeed. Enlarge and expand our territory, that you'd put your hand of favor upon us that it might not bring us pain. I hope that you are continuing to pray this prayer over your family every single day. I want to encourage you, do not grow weary in well-doing, but continue to pray this prayer and partner with this prophetic word over your family every day. This is the year of expanding territory. And if we are going to expand our territory, we must have a strong foundation. Somebody say foundation. Earlier in this year, shortly after we launched Mercy Culture in April, it was just Easter. Can you believe it's only been, what, five months? It seems like yesterday and it seems like it's been 10 years. It's awesome. But we launched back in, in April at, at Easter, and shortly after that, a lot of people began to come to us and talk about dreams and visions that are on their heart. And so I took it to the Lord, and I started asking God, God, what is it, when do you want us to begin launching House Visions, and what does that look like for us at Mercy Culture Waco, and what do you want? And, and God gave me a vision. I saw a vision. What's a vision? It's just a spiritual daydream. Some people dream at night. Some people dream during the day. 
And I just saw this vision. And what I saw was my wife and I leading a service at Mercy Culture Waco. We were in our building and there was so much energy and excitement in the building. And we were announcing all of these rollouts of housed visions and and tremendously impactful things that God had laid upon people's hearts that we as a church family were birthing. And I saw that, and then I heard the Lord say, in 2022, I'm establishing Mercy Culture Waco as a force to be reckoned with, so that in 23, you can run with great vision. And I saw the hand of the Lord laying stones, foundation stones, for our church. I watched that happen. And so I carried that in my heart. And I went back to the people that had come to us and I I gave them that word. I said, hey, this is what I hear from the Lord. This is the year throughout the end of the year that God is establishing the foundation of this house so that we may be strong enough to be a covering for the visions that God is launching. And I got great response. People were submitted and submitted their hearts and submitted to that process and said, okay, let's help to build the foundation Because we have been praying as a church family a bold and powerful prayer since the launch of Mercy Culture, when Mercy Culture started back in Fort Worth. If you don't know, Mercy Culture Waco is one church in multiple locations, and our church was actually started in Fort Worth, Texas. And when our elders and our pastors, our senior pastors there, went before the Lord, began to pray and ask God about Mercy Culture, one of the first things they said was, Lord allow the city to feel us because we are not interested in having a church that doesn't make an impact in the city. We're not interesting and have interested in having a church where the city doesn't feel our existence. And at the same time that that was happening, Nikki and I were here praying in Waco before we even knew that we would be part of the mercy culture family. We were praying and fasting and and going around the city and praying and waking up, praying the same prayers, Lord, allow the city to feel us. That's a bold prayer. There are many amazing ministries that are going on across the city. And in order for the city to feel us, we're going to have to be making a big impact. And it's a bold prayer that we've been praying. But we cannot carry the weight of that vision without a healthy foundation and a healthy culture. And so I want to talk to us this morning about culture. What is our culture? What's the culture of your family? And we're going to spend the next few weeks going through the culture and the values of this house. So what is our culture? Well, first, the first element of our culture is our vision. And we define it this way. This is why we exist. And if you've been coming to Mercy Culture for more than two or three weeks, you probably know the vision because we repeat it all the time. Mercy Culture exists to do what? Take people from corporate encounters with God to daily personal encounters with God. Because without his presence, we become like the church in 2 Timothy 3.5, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. We become a really great philosophical center to come and get good morals and learn philosophical principles and learn how to live your best life and do it without the presence of God. And then we are nothing but resounding gongs and clanging cymbals. We are powerless people without the presence of the Lord. 
And that's where we've been since we launched Mercy Culture back in April. We have been establishing MC Waco as a presence-driven church. What does that mean? It means that the presence of God is not just something that's nice to have. The presence of the Lord is not just something that we hope to experience when we come together once a week in church. No, we are a people that are driven by the presence of God. We are a people, when we wake up in the morning, he's our drive. When we go about our day, he's the reason we're doing it. When we put our hands to do our work at our businesses, it's because we are driven by the presence of the Lord. We cannot live without God's presence. We can't parent without his presence. We can't be good husbands and wives without his presence. We can't be good employees or business owners without his presence. We are driven by the presence of the Lord. We have been learning how to steward God's presence. We've been learning how to have daily encounters. We've been learning how to tarry in the presence of the Lord. We've been pushing through. If you've been, how many of you come to pre-service prayer? Some of you do. If you're on the serve team, you've been to pre-service prayer. And it's like church before church. Can I get an amen? amen. Why? Because we are going to break through. Come on. I said we're going to break through. We're going to enter into God's presence because without the oil of the anointing of his presence, then we might as well pack it up and go home. So we're going to press in and break through, and we've been learning how to steward the presence of God, been learning how to tarry in his presence. Often, the reason why we don't see breakthrough and the reason why we might get a taste, a glimpse of the presence of the Lord, but we don't push through it is because of that awkwardness that we feel like as human beings, we just have to do something. It's like Peter, when Peter was on the mountaintop with Jesus. And God's presence fell upon that mountain and Elijah appeared and Moses appeared and, and Peter began to, to get flustered and he goes, let, let me build, let me build three, three shelters here and let me build a place. And the Bible even says Peter knew not what he was saying. In other words, he didn't even know what he was talking about. Peter became so flustered. Why? The glory fell and Peter stepped into his flesh and his humanity and said, I've just got to do something. But we've been learning how to steward his presence and tarry. And family, I want to warn us that this learning of the presence of God is not a season or a sermon series. It is the core of who we are as a church. Learning how to steward God's presence is not just something that we're going to do for a couple of weeks or a couple of months and then let's move on to the next thing. The presence is the reason we're here. We will never, say never, stop being a presence-driven church. But this isn't the only aspect of our culture. There are four elements of the culture of mercy culture, and the second element is our values. This, we define it this way. It's how we act when we are at our best. And these values are what we're going to be diving into over the next several weeks. The Lord spoke to me to spend the last few months of this year establishing culture and speaking to it clearly. And so we're going to take each week and we're going to 
we're going to preach upon one of these values, and we're going to dive in to the meaning of these values. And it's probably, uh, I'm probably most excited about this series than any series we've gone into, because I know the power of healthy culture and a strong foundation. But I want to give you a caution this morning. These values are not only for this house, they are for your house. Because this isn't just how we act when we're at our best as church people. This is how we act when we are at our best as believers. This is how Christians act at our best. And so many times we can pick up these values and say, well, I'm going to church, so I better walk in the value of forgiveness. Well, I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going into the house of God, so I better walk uh, in the value of authenticity, right? When I go into work, I put on the fake the fake mask or uh, I hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness, but I'm going into church now. Let me walk in the values. No, no. These values are for our houses and for every day. This, the third element of our culture are our unique characteristics, and we define it like this. This is why we planted the church. And I'm going to run through these characteristics quickly. The first one is we are a presence-driven church. We talked about that earlier. The presence of God is the center of everything that we are. Secondly, we put people first. And we say this, we prioritize people over ministry. We prioritize your health and you as an, as an individual more than what you can do for this house. Look, I tried to wear the jacket. I said, it's a little bit, it's only going to be 85 today. Let's put on a coat. If you've been having church in a tent where it's been 100 degrees and it's 85, it's chilly. It lasted a minute. All right. We prioritize people. We put people first. I like to say it this way. People are not obstacles standing in the way of our goal. They are the goal. And thirdly, we house vision. I think that this is one of the keys to the outsized influence of Mercy Culture Church. Mercy Culture in Fort Worth was only started three years ago. And in three short years, God has done incredible things. We have multiple locations. We have housed visions that are reaching into, into the spheres of society all across this nation and making a tremendous impact because of this principle of housing vision. What is housed vision? It simply means that we know that one person cannot have the vision for everything that God wants to do. We don't believe that if multiple people have vision, it's division. We believe it's apostolic. And that it doesn't mean that just one person has all the vision because in mercy culture, this house is not built around an individual. It's built around the presence. And when God's presence is in our room and when God's presence is driving everything we do and when we're encountering the presence of God, there is bound, there is going to be, it is guaranteed that he will begin to birth visions and callings and purposes within your heart and spirit. So we house vision of people who are in community and relationship with us. Fourthly, we empower women in ministry. Come on, I thought I'd get a little better response from the ladies. We empower women in ministry. That means that you are empowered not, you know, I, I grew up in church. I grew up in the Pentecostal church, and this is the South, so it's the Pentecostal church, and uh, grew up in the Spirit-filled church, and, and women could do ministry, but only in certain areas, right? 
I never understood why we would give women a microphone to lead us into worship and the presence of God, but they better not speak. Never understood why we would trust women to steward the next generation in children's, but they weren't allowed to lead a small group. It didn't make any sense. You know why? Because it doesn't make any sense. And so at Mercy Culture, we empower women in ministry. Let me tell you, when my wife and I first came to Waco and we started to talk about planning a church here, we got two questions most, uh, the two questions more often than any other. The first one was, do you speak in tongues? And the second one was, do you let women preach? Sometimes it was a good response and sometimes it wasn't, praise God. But we empower women and ministry in this house because we know and believe that God has placed something within your spirit that the house of God needs. That you are not some second-rate, watered-down version of the anointing and spirit of God. But God raised up Eve from the beginning to be a co-equal helpmeet with her husband, Adam. And you are called in this house. You have a voice. You have a purpose. And God's hand is upon you. And we need what is in your spirit. Can I get an amen? amen? And then lastly, we love Israel. Why? Because we love the things that God loves. And God says that the Jewish people and the nation of Israel are his chosen people and his chosen nation. And so we love Israel. And you'll see different elements of Israeli culture and how we will celebrate some of the feasts and partner with what God is doing in the nation of Israel. We pray for Israel, we celebrate Israel, and we give and sow into the nation of Israel. And the fourth element of our culture are our leadership standards. And this is how we define it. This is who we empower. We say this, we empower those with our hearts to lead with their mind. We trade empowerment for teachability and humility. Empowerment is another one of those key differentiators of Mercy Culture Church that I believe has set us apart in so many ways. And we will, I cannot wait to preach on the value of empowerment. That's also one of our values. I can't wait to speak on this, but empowerment means that you are given the ability to run with what God has placed upon your heart. And it's one of the reasons why we have such insane influence as a church family because people are running with what God has placed upon their heart. People are empowered to build and to run. But we empower people who have our hearts to lead with their minds and who are both teachable and humble. What does that mean? It means that not everybody's empowered. It means you've got to be in unity with this house and under the covering and, up and living under these leadership standards. And what, what these leadership standards are, it's simply the non-negotiables of who is empowered to lead at Mercy Culture. Number one leadership standard are daily encounters. It means that in order to lead at Mercy Culture Church, you've got to encounter the Lord daily. And I would submit to you that in order to lead effectively in the kingdom of God, wherever you are, you need a daily relationship with the Lord. You've got to encounter God every day. You've got to be passionate and hungry to encounter God's presence. Number two, leadership standard is forgiveness. Because we know we are never more like Jesus than when we are forgiving. We say it this way, forgiveness is not an option. But you don't know what they did, forgive. You don't understand how long, at forgive. Forgiveness isn't something that we do one time. Forgiveness is a process. Sometimes we got to forgive people 
486 times. I, I heard you laugh because you've been there, right? That came from her gut. I've had to do that. Sometimes I'll be in a daily encounter and the Lord will drop something in my heart and I go, I'm going to have to forgive them again. Again? You got to forgive. Third is the Sabbath. We prioritize health. It means that we trust that God can do more with six days of our effort than we can do with seven. It means that there is no option to obey the word of the Lord and take a day a week and do no work, but make it holy unto the Lord. Paul says not to argue about what day you choose to worship, but to choose a day and to give it to the Lord. So we don't argue about what day you choose to Sabbath. But there needs to be a day a week that we say, I'm not going to work. I'm going to give this day to the Lord and I'm going to rest because I trust the Lord that he can do more with six days in his will than I can do with seven in my own flesh. And that same principle goes into our next leadership standard, which is the standard of tithe. Tithe is simply giving back to God. 10% of all of the income that comes into our home. How many know it all belongs to the Lord anyways? Everything belongs to his. If he wants to take it all, we live life with an open hand, wearing this life like a loose garment, ready to toss it off at any moment for him. But it all belongs to him. But our leadership standard is the biblical standard of the tithe, that we give back to God 10% of all that we receive. Why? Because we trust the Lord. That he can do more with 90% of my income than I can do with 100%. And then lastly, our leadership standard is unity. With the, first of all, we, we, we pray to come into unity as a church family with the Holy Spirit. And then with one another. Because we know that the favor of God is found in unity. And unity doesn't mean sameness. Unity doesn't mean that we all have to be the same, but it means that our hearts have come into unity with the Holy Spirit and with each other. Because it all starts, everything that we do begins with what we are built upon. Say this, say culture changes everything. Culture changes everything. And family, culture is always being built. Whether you realize it or not, there's a culture being built in your home. There's a culture being built in your business, in your, in your place of work, at your school, and certainly in the house of God at our church. Culture is always being built. The question is, is it being built with intentionality or is it being built accidentally? Culture is what you both tolerate and celebrate. And anybody that's a parent in this room knows that. You know, sometimes you got a two-year-old, and they're so cute, and they got a little lisp. My little four-year-old has a little lisp, and it's so cute. And sometimes she gets a little attitude, you know, and especially when they're like two. This is the problem. This is why my wife and I have five kids, because every time they would turn about two years old, we're like, oh, we want another one. Yeah, and then look what happens. You wake up, you got five kids. It's amazing. I wouldn't change it. Yeah, I wouldn't change it. But you got that little two-year-old, and they get a little sassy. You ever seen videos? It certainly doesn't happen in my house. But every now and then, you see a video on the internet, and the mom tells a little two-year-old to do something, and she puts her hands on her hip, and she goes, shut up. You ever seen that? Get sassy, and everybody's laughing and joking, and it's really cute and funny until they're 16. 
and what you celebrated and tolerated suddenly became the culture of your home. And you wonder, why can't I get my son or my daughter to come home when I told them to? And why they slammed the door and he's six foot one and told me to shut up and he don't have a lisp anymore. And he's not looking up at me like this anymore. He's looking down at me. And all of a sudden, I have created a culture in my home that was created by accident. I found out that everything I was doing in my home was building a culture. And I celebrated and tolerated things that were cute and funny in one season that are not so cute in the next stage of development. So in the house of God, there may be some things that are kind of kitschy and interesting in one stage of development, but are not so cute and kitschy and funny and interesting at the next stage of development. It's, it's one of the reasons why you see us working so diligently to, to have excellence in every aspect of what we do. Excellent communication, excellent security, excellent in every way. You say, well, there's only a couple hundred people here. Why are you so? Because this is not the extent of our vision. And whatever we celebrate and tolerate in this season will be the culture of the next season. And I want to give you another warning. It is infinitely more difficult to change a culture than it is to build one. And if anybody's ever gone into a workplace and it's been your job to manage that place that already had an established culture of things that were celebrated and tolerated, and now it's on you to change it, you know that quote to be true. That it is so much more difficult to change the culture than it is to build one. And we get the beautiful opportunity as a church family to, from the beginning, build a healthy culture. But you are never finished building culture. It's not something that you get to the end of it one day and then you're done because the natural gravity of our personal lives and of our flesh is to pull us away from healthy culture and into unhealthy culture. It is natural for you to not forgive those that have offended you. It is natural for you to be fake. Come on. It is natural for you to tell somebody, oh, everything's great, brother. Praise God. The Lord is good. Won't he do it? Will he, won't he? Won't he will. Praise the Lord, right? That's natural. It's not natural to walk in authenticity. It's not natural to forgive when you have a right to hold on to the grudge. So we are never finished building culture. But at Mercy Culture, we don't protect culture. We build it. It means that we don't weaponize culture against people. Because culture is not a wall that we put up to keep people out. It's a foundation that we lay to build people up. And in places that began to develop unhealthy cultures, they used cultural elements as a weapon to exclude other people. Ah. And as a family that has a clearly defined culture, we have to be aware of that trick of the enemy where we can begin to weaponize healthy things to keep people out. Because it's risky to let people in. I said it's risky to let people in. But at the end of our life, it is not our goal that we've lived a safe life. It's our goal that we've lived an obedient life. 
Healthy culture brings moral clarity. When you ask most people, where do you get your values? They'll give you some response, some iteration of they find it within themselves. It comes from my conscience, my inner voice. It comes from the philosophy class I took in college. It comes from my education. It comes from the New York Times. It comes from this place or that place. Never forget, I read years ago, there was a new editor at the New York Times, and I was reading an article that she wrote. She was accepting this position, and she said, in my house, the Times was the Bible. It just leapt off the page to me, because for a not insignificant percentage of people in our country, that is the case for them. In their house, their philosophy book their internal feelings, their moral compass, their own conscience, or their, their newspaper of choice, or their news station of choice, or their party's political platform is their Bible. That's their moral compass. That's their value system. That's where we are led. That is what we are led by. Now, I'll give you a translation. When somebody says, oh, it comes from within myself, the translation is, I make it up. As I go along and I do whatever feels right to me it means that there are no immovable standards in my life that are non-negotiables there is no moral compass and no absolute truth and I want to warn you this morning because we're all at church right and we need to be careful not to get too self-righteous because sometimes we sit at church and we think, well, that's not us. Look, I'm a Christian, and I'm a Texan, and I go to church every Sunday, and I read my Bible, and that's my moral compass. And then somebody, something happens, and, and you're faced with a decision that is contrary to the Word of God. And you're faced with an opportunity to disobey God's Word, and you begin to look inside of yourself and see, how do I feel about this situation? We see it happen Time and time again with ministers and leaders within the church across the nation, we hear them say, well, my beliefs have evolved. Why? Because an outside force caused me to look to my feelings and make a decision that was different from what the word of God said. That's why we have phrases like, what's your truth? Because there is no absolute truth in that world. Their life is built upon sand. It is ever-changing depending on the direction of society. It's what Matthew chapter 7, that Jesus was talking about, a life built upon shifting sand. Proverbs 14, 12 says it this way, There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but in the end it leads to death. There is a way, a path that looks right, and we feel our heart is led down that path. It's why we put up stupid billboards like what's leading into the city coming on I-35 for the city of Waco, and it says, follow your heart. That's the stupidest piece of advice, excuse me, that I have ever heard in my life. Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things and what man can understand it. And we begin to follow the path that our heart lays before us. And one day we're going left, and the other day we're going right, and we are on ever-shifting sand because sand is always changing. It is untethered by the bonds of unity. It is weak and shifty. Sand cannot hold anything of significance. Sand can't hold legacy. 
And this sand in Matthew chapter 7 is a representation of an undefined culture or value system. It's an ever-shifting and changing goalpost. Several years ago, I had the opportunity to go on a mission trip to India to spend a couple of weeks in the nation of India. It was a life-changing experience that I thoroughly enjoyed. And on the way back from India, we stopped in Dubai because it's a long trip from Dallas, Texas to India, let me tell you, especially the part I went to. And so we stop in Dubai on the way back, and we spent three or four days in Dubai in that city. And that's a true desert. I don't know if you've ever been to the Middle East like that. There is nothing but sand and then the ocean. It's a true desert. And nothing had ever been built there for hundreds and even thousands of years until technology got to a place that we could begin to make false foundations to build buildings upon. And there was a museum in the city, and I'm a history buff. I love history, and I'm like, let's go to that museum. So I went to the museum, and it said there would be artifacts. There were supposed to be ancient, um, ancient architecture there that we were going to go see. And I went to the museum, and everything looked new. Even the things that were ancient, it was like a disnified ancient building. And I was looking at it closely, and I began to read the plaques, and everything in the building was a recreation of what used to be there. All of the tents and the artifacts, they were wax figures and concrete buildings that were aged and made to look old. It was all a recreation of what used to be there because there was nothing left standing because their foundation was built upon sand. Why? Because sand isn't in unity. Sand has the appearance of unity, but in reality, it's simply individual grains piled on top of each other, each fighting for their own position and place. That's why at Mercy Culture, we have a leadership standard of unity to create that solid foundation. You see, sand used to be rock. All sand used to be solid, and it was rock, but the winds and the waves And outside forces became so powerful in the life of that rock, it slowly but surely broke it down piece by piece into smaller and smaller units until that once solid rock became undefined, shifting particles, each fighting for their own place and position. And that erosion that we see in nature is the same erosion that we see playing out before our eyes in our nation today. The foundation upon which our country was built is found on every dollar bill. We call it the American Trinity. We see it at the top of our bills. It says, in God we trust. And that foundation has been replaced with follow your heart. E pluribus unum is Latin for many one. And that foundation has been replaced with more and more granular victim groups that we can become a part of. Instead of finding identity as a man, as a Christian, as an American, I'm told to find my identity in my sexual desires, my disabilities, the color of my skin. And liberty has been replaced with trust the experts. You see, we want to enjoy the fruit of the tree of our society the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness without acknowledging the roots of its foundational culture. Because without knowing our roots, our culture will erode. 
The same thing that is happening in the world has begun to happen in the body of Christ. The things that used to be immovable, unshakable, and non-negotiable have become accepted, tolerated, and celebrated. The things that we would never allow to happen in the house of God have now become moral and righteous in our eyes. Because we have abandoned daily encounters. We have pushed aside encountering the Lord and we have instead chased after entertainment. We have abandoned presence-driven and we've become, as a church, to be driven by focus groups and marketing organizations. But at Mercy Culture, we are not presence-influenced. We are not presence-adjacent. We are presence-driven. Whatever the heart of the Father wants, even if you don't like it, that's what we're going to do. We're driven by the presence of God. And we are founded on the word of God. Being, Pastor Russell Johnson preached in Fort Worth a couple of weeks ago, and he said this, being presence-driven requires us to be word-focused. We must be founded upon the word, and we must have the attitude that even if I don't agree with what I read, the word is smarter than me, and I give up my right to an opinion. Because in this house, the Bible is the word of God. In this house, the Bible is inerrant. It is without mistake. In this house, the Bible is unchangeable, unaffected by the winds of society. And in this house, the Bible is absolute truth, no matter what we feel. As I was preparing... This message, I felt the Lord say to begin to expose the lies of the enemy surrounding culture. Worship team, you can begin to come up. Start to expose the lies of the enemy around culture. I felt as if while, we were, while I would preach this message, I could feel the enemy beginning to speak lies into our hearts. So right now, just open up your heart to receive what the Lord would say. The first lie that I heard was, you all sound the same. This repeating of these phrases in this culture, it's just weird. It's just weird. It's not weird, it's peculiar. And the Bible says that we are called to be a peculiar people. It is peculiar to forgive those that have hurt you and not hold on to a grudge and look for revenge. It is peculiar to walk in authenticity and tell the truth instead of put up walls of performance and masks of perfection so that you like me more. It is peculiar to operate in the value of feedback. When we say we operate in feedback, we mean it. You're going to receive feedback. And it is peculiar that instead of talking about you behind your back, somebody will tell you to your face. That's peculiar. It's normal to gossip, to lie, to hold on to unforgiveness, and to be a fake and a phony. That's normal. It's not normal to walk in these values. A moment of authenticity for you that I felt the Lord calling me to model. Just this week, I was at an event with a lot of pastors. And there were a couple of pastors. We were talking, and 
One of them asked me a totally innocuous and appropriate question. There's nothing wrong with his question. He, it wasn't in a bad spirit or a bad heart. He just said, hey, I've been watching. I'm following your journey. It looks like God is really moving. That's amazing. How many people do you guys have coming in Waco? But the problem is the Holy Spirit has been dealing with my heart. And the Lord, I felt the Lord impress upon me not to talk about numbers with anybody. And to not answer that question when I was asked. And I knew that it was an insecurity within me to kind of perform in those moments. But I answered his question. Oh, we have about this many. And I could feel that, that prick from the Holy Spirit, that little tap from anybody ever felt that before. You're like, ah. I went about my day. The next day I felt a little tap from the Holy Spirit like, hello. Then I was in a daily encounter two days later and I felt the Lord go, well, are we going to talk about that? Are, are, are you going to, I was like, Lord, you're right. I'm sorry. I repent. Forgive me, Lord. I don't, I lay all of that down. He said, that's great, but I'm not the one you talk to. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. God, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to reach out to this person. I'm going to have to talk to these two guys. I'm going to have to tell them and expose. He was like, yep. So I took out my phone and I sent a text message to both of them. And I just said, hey, your question was, there was nothing wrong with it. But I was out of obedience. I want to expose my insecurity and repent to you. I told the Lord I wouldn't talk about it. And I did it anyways. And I'm sorry. And in that moment, they responded back to me both separately and individually of things that God had been dealing with their hearts about. And it opened up the floodgates for ministry. Authenticity is peculiar. Second lie that I heard from the enemy is that this is just a tool of manipulation used to control. Listen, submission is not about us controlling you it's about you controlling you and as I was processing this that I heard in my spirit and making a list of what am I what am I gonna say how am I gonna address this I was trying to be flowery and nice and the Holy Spirit said are you gonna tell them the truth are you gonna try to be flowery and here's what he said the truth is uh, the truth of that statement is I don't want anybody to tell me what to do including the Word of God that's the truth. And if you feel that in your spirit of, whoa, 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 I don't want anybody telling me what's non-negotiable and what has to be done. There's no judgment because that's called being a human being. That's called human nature. It's why Jesus says that every day, say every day, we have to take on the mind of Christ and the heart of the Father. That every day we must pick up our cross and crucify our flesh because that's natural for us to have that response. But it's a lie of the enemy. You see, holding people accountable to healthy culture is not manipulation, it's spiritual leadership. The third lie is that these are just a list of restrictive rules. But the opposite is actually true. You see, when the culture is clear, you can be fully empowered. But in so many places, culture is defined by what we can't do and never defined by what we can do. If any of you have ever worked in an office and you try to step out in a leadership role, begin to do things, often we will have people go, oh, we don't do it like that. 
Oh, okay, well, let me shift and try to do it like this. No, 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 we don't do it like that. And then you shift and you try to, ah, we don't do it like that. And then eventually you're like, well, can somebody just tell me how we do it so that I can be empowered to run? But an undefined culture only knows what we don't do and doesn't know what we do. But a healthy culture is a foundation upon which we can build. Number four and final. This lie I hear often that the vision is just too simplistic. Don't you ever stop repeating it. The vision of mercy culture is anything but, is, but simplistic, but it is simple. It is simple. There are a lot of other things that are in my heart for our church to do. Of course, I want you to have healthy marriages. I want us to have incredible healthy children. I want us to have fulfilled dreams and do amazing things, but none of that can happen without encountering the Lord every day. None of that can happen without that foundation of daily encounters. There is no success without an encounter with the Lord. If everybody would just stand up on your feet. Prepare to close out today. We go back to Matthew chapter 7, that Sermon on the Mount. What you got to understand is that in Matthew's chapter 5 and 6, before we get here, a scene is painted of Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior, preaching the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is the canon of our Christian faith. He lays out what it means to be a follower of Christ. Look, watch. He lays out our culture as Christians. These are the immovable foundational stones of Christianity. These are our values as followers of Christ Jesus. He tells us those things that are immovable and he knows that the crowd is beginning to get a little uncomfortable. Why? Because what he's talking about is not natural. What he's teaching them is so countercultural to what they've been used to being taught, even among the religious leaders of their day. He's teaching them that it's not only about what you do, it's also about what's in your heart. It's not only about how you act, but it's also about what's in your spirit. And he tells them in verse 24, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the torrents raged, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. Every eye closed in this place this morning. There are many of us in here today who unintentionally have allowed a shaky culture to be built in our families. We have un unintentionally laid an unstable foundation in our families or in our businesses, with our, in our marriages, with our children, with your daily walk with the Lord.
You say, I want to have a foundation built upon the rock. I want to have a legacy. I want children that will never know a day outside of the presence. And I want to tell you this morning, it is never too late for the presence of God to change your culture. It is never too late for God to lay a new foundation in your life and in the life of your family. Today, the Lord is going to shore up some foundations in this house. Come on, let's just lift up our hands, begin to worship him. Today, God's going to shore up some foundations in this house. He's going to strengthen some foundations today. Father, we want our foundation to be built upon the immovable stones of your word. We want our foundation to be built upon your presence, God. Lord, I pray. God, that you would lay the foundation of your presence in every home and family that is represented here. Just here in my spirit, some of you are grandparents, and the lie of the enemy is it's too late. You had your chance. The presence is not the foundation of your family, and it's too late. That's a lie from the enemy. God has given you the spiritual authority as the mother and father of your family and grandchildren to lay the foundation of presence in your family. So just lift up your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray that every son, every daughter, every husband, every wife, every child, every grandchild, God, that you would shore up the foundation of our homes. If we're single or if we're married, if we have children or no children, if we have grandchildren or great-grandchildren, God, you would lay the foundation of your presence in our home. Father, that you would fill every crack and crevice. Lord, that you would fill every shaky place, every unstable place within our marriages that are represented in this house, every unstable place in the lives of teenagers that are represented here, every unstable place in dating relationships of those that are courting for marriage. Father, fill us with your glory. Fill us with your presence. Fill us with healthy culture. In the name of Jesus, come on.